0: The Home Show with Sinead Ryan on News Talk.
1: Hello and you're very welcome along to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, the symbolism and language of flowers goes back centuries. We'll be finding out all about what your Valentine's bouquet says about you. We have Mayo County Council who are going to be telling us about a new Tinder for house hunters in the county. If you fancy rustling up a dessert to get you in the mood for love next week, well, chef Edward Hayden joins us later with some recipe suggestions. And last week, we got a listener query in uh, about creating multi-purpose single rooms in houses. Well, who better than Arlene McIntyre to help us do just that? If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can email us at, thehomeshow at newstalk.com, or you can get in touch with me on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100 and you can listen live or listen back to the show and our podcasts on the News Talk website or on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. Now, morning everyone. While we have some nice Valentine's themed interviews on today's show, I have to admit I'm not a huge fan of the day itself. I feel there's a lot of pressure on men and women to try and nail something super romantic, spend a lot lot of money and even outdo other couples. Now, if you need a special day to remind your other half that they're special, I wonder what does it say uh, about your relationship? Or maybe it's just a bit of fun and something nice to do in a dreary month. Well, for me, i will be delighted to get a bunch of flowers and a card. But honestly, if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to get in a tiz about it. Sometimes what's even nicer than roses or chocolates or going out to dinner can be your spouse picking up the hoover or doing the dishes instead. Now, my husband won't be expecting me to do either of those things since I never do but maybe you have some tips on what romantic looks like in your house and what you'd like to receive next Wednesday and if not well then we'll be listening to Edward in a moment with his fabulous treats and you're very welcome along to The Home Show. Mm Now next Wednesday is of course supposed to be the most romantic day of the year and if you forgot to buy the flowers and the chocolate and book the weekend away, well do not worry, Uh, you still have time to rustle up a lovely dessert to get you in the mood for your love on Valentine's Day and chef Edward Hayden, a TV celebrity lecturer in the Southeastern Technological University is on the line with some recipe suggestions. Edward, you're very welcome back to the home show. Um, Come here to me, what is it, do you think that makes a dessert, turns a dessert from, you know, something just sweet to have after dinner into something really special?
2: Well, do you know what Sinead, I suppose in, in light of what we're talking about for Valentine's, I always think doesn't effort demonstrate love in its purest sense. So to make something for somebody specially, I think that's special in itself. And the desserts that I've suggested here are looking for something maybe Moorish and something indulgent that somebody will really love. But yes, not too heavy. And I think that's always the thing because, you know, we do tend to go down the indulgent route for Valentine's, whether we're having a lovely steak or maybe the prawn starch. I'm going, giving you all the aphrodisiacs. <laughs> but for dessert then you need, you know, just something nice and light and sweet. But yes, the two that I've picked have kind of... Um, definitely yes, the capacity to tick the Valentine's box. They do sure. indeed.
1: All right. Well, let's start with the first one. This is the Baileys meringue roulade. Now already I'm liking it because I'm thinking I could serve that with a shot of Baileys
2: on the Absolutely. side. How bad?
1: <laughs> can't go course. wrong with that. Tell us Have a little bit about that one now. A roulade? Well, now, listen, Edward, meringues. I, I, I think it's a bit like pastry. People can do it or they can't do it. What's your secret to a perfect meringue?
2: Now, the thing about the meringue roulade is it tends to break a lot of the rules of meringue. So that's good. And that in itself makes it less daunting. The secrets are no egg yolks. Don't fit any egg yolks in. You know there are sometimes you kind of put in a bit and then you're scraping it out with the shell. Yeah,
1: you haven't been very you good on the cracking. Yeah, you
2: have to be very good. I have to be completely uh, egg yolk free. So you have all the white, scrupulously clean bowl. The biggest mistake that I think people make is that they don't beat it vigorously enough before the addition of the sugar. So as the recipe suggests, you need to make sure that they're really well beaten, then put in the sugar. So it's eight uh, ounces of sugar to four egg whites. Then once it's really stiff, like really stiff shaving foam, then start adding it and add it in bit by bit and don't throw it all in together. Maybe beat it in in about four different editions Mm. and beat that vigorously till it's shiny and glossy and it should then have turned up over your head it should stay in the bowl. That's the test for it, isn't it? It is now. Of course, if that test fails, you know what happens. <laughs> Sinead, you're out with the mop.
1: Well, well, maybe put it over somebody else's head first. That might be the way no, to go with it. that, right? Okay. Romantic so, itself. so four egg whites. Uh, 2 to 5 grams for instance, sugar, a teaspoon of coffee extract. Now, is that the one in the little jar or do you make like a little espresso?
2: You can do either or. So you can use the one in the little jar, which is now back in the supermarket, or you could just make a little really strong espresso or if you had a spoon of instant, just dissolve it in a tiny little bit of boiling water and put that in. And of course, coffee again is one of those aphrodisiacs, but putting in either baileys or cream. Our, uh, cool Swan or any of those Irish cream liqueurs yeah. into the cream then mix it, that Baileys coffee in terms of that. To so make the coffee, roulade, then I normally put it into the tin, put a few flaked almonds on the top of it and put it into the oven for 20 minutes, Sinead. And that's the thing. Normally people are familiar with cooking meringues for a very that long hours. period of yeah. time.
1: Yeah. But
2: this is cooked for a short period of time at a higher temperature than the meringues would normally be cooked and then into the oven twenty minutes it will come out very well soufflated. So think your Mary Berry sinead if you make that. <laughs> and let it go back then as it cools down it'll go back into its original shape and that's what you're looking for. Then I invert that onto a piece of parchment paper or tea towel or whatever, spread it with some cream which you have flavoured with as much Irish cream liqueur as you'd like to give you that sensation and then roll it all up nice and tightly. Don't get too excited about the rolling. You can roll it from either end, whether you want to roll from the short or the longer. Okay. And once you show no resistance, it will roll perfectly, I can guarantee you.
1: And isn't it the thing with the roulade, Edward, that it actually doesn't matter if it cracks
2: as you roll no. it? No. So listen, the cracks are desirable, you know. So the cracks will be desirable. Now, they're not too plentiful in it if you roll it, uh, you know, fairly tightly. It should roll yeah. uh, nicely. The meringue, because it's not dried, it's still nice and soft. It would be soft enough so to to be able to be manipulated uh, into the shape. But the cracks are desirable and you'd have a little bit of the cream oozing through. Oh, nice. And then, Sinead, all you might do is uh, make a tiny little bit of chocolate sauce and or even a bit of melted chocolate and that over the top. And that would certainly have the capacity to woo your lover.
1: Fine. OK, well, the cracks are desirable, maybe in the roulade, possibly not in a relationship. Well. But in life well. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so that is, uh, I don't know that you'd need to go further than that, but you've given us another recipe. Now, listen, you said to me, light, this chocolate ganache roulade has chocolate whipped cream, it's. It doesn't, like the only thing I can see in this recipe that I've been handed that is anyway good for you are the few berries to decorate it. <laughs> Go on, tell us the chocolate ganache. Now. People get worried about that. What does it no, look like and how do you make about it? it? Is in
2: terms of that roulade, if you look at it, you made know, it's actually a gluten-free uh, option. And sometimes the celiacs don't feel the love at all. So that's why I said I'd give Fantastic. you uh, that it's gluten-free So it's a nice, light split sponge. The sponge is as light as a feather. You're using just uh, egg whites as the kind of the raising agent of that. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the chocolate ganache, so you'll have the recipe for that. But in terms of the chocolate ganache, that is where you just boil your cream. So again, uh, boil up some cream and then pour that onto some chopped up chocolate or grated chocolate. The thing I always think with ganache to make it really nice and glossy is to have it... That you don't have to put the chocolate onto heat. So boil the cream really robustly until it starts to come right up to the saucepan. Pour it in on top of the chocolate, and then use your whisk to whisk that in. Let okay. that set for a little while, but don't put it near the heat. Is the message?
1: Okay. Because I, people, I think I'd be worried about splitting the cream by 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 boiling it up. But you're saying no, do that. Pour it over the chocolate and leave it to its own devices. Then it'll,
2: it'll, it'll whisk its and way. boil the cream. You'll see the cream changes even its colour. So I always use a kind of a biggish saucepan to let it come up the sides of the saucepan. And it changes into that almost like a Jersey cream colour. And the fat particles have been uh, tempered with heat. So then throw that in on top of the chocolate, just whisk it up. And the cream then will be hot enough, obviously boiling enough, so as to melt the chocolate naturally. And then leave that set for a while. And then what I'm suggesting to you is to spread that over the lovely light aerated chocolate sponge. Put a little bit of cream in the fruit and then some raspberries. But also, Sinead, if people hadn't the time, if they ran out of time with the prawns and the steak, you could just make the chocolate ganache, put that into the middle of a platter, in the middle of the table or in the middle of the couch, and then stick a few marshmallows or a few bits of fruit um, around that and have kind of like a little cheats chocolate fondue, and you could just feed your lover a marshmallow.
1: Oh, Edward, that's fantastic. Although I think I'd probably go for an amaretto biscuit, but that's
2: just me. Oh, I how gorgeous like that. would that be? Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, so you can feed them with the chocolate ganache and just watch the sofa, uh, is what I'm thinking. But there you go. I'm married. And the cream carpet. <laughs> <laughs> and the cream carpet, Edward. As always, um, lots and lots of things there. What's your What's your own favourite? Um, you know, for for Valentine's Day now. Are you a chocolate man? I
2: love the chocolate. I think. Do you know what? Uh, I was just talking to someone the other day about the whole ritual of food and I think food is so driven by rituals. If you think of all the rituals that we put around the turkey at Christmas, mm. the leg of lamb at Easter and the pancakes, uh, which of course on Valentine's Day as well. But um, I love the rituals so I think chocolate is so synonymous with Valentine's, I'd be going down that route.
1: All right. And Edward, just remind people where they can find out more about you on Instagram. They can check me out. I'm on Edward Entertain's, which is perfect for Valentine's. <laughs> it is indeed, Edward Hayden. It's nice Chef. To thanks thanks to a you. million. Nice to talk to you too. God bless. Now, if you are lucky enough to get a bouquet of flowers for Valentine's Day, it might mean more than you actually think it does. The symbolism and language of flowers goes back centuries. And here to unveil the mysterious messages is Rachel Doyle, founder of Arboretum Garden Centres and author of My Tree of Life. Rachel, you're very welcome along to the home show. It's a pleasure to be on with you, Sinead. Now, talk to me a little bit about where the language of flowers originated, a, a little bit about, about it and what flowers can
0: tell us. Yeah, the flowers have a, a story behind them, every flower. And the language associated with flowers has been recognised for centuries. And the giving of, and gifting of flowers has gone as a longstanding tradition and has meanings and of and expressions of emotion of when we want to say thank you or show affection or like valentine's day coming up next week and the this, this, this celebration of joy to give ourselves a treat and showed expression of, a, of a, say for example in sympathy when words are not enough, we give a bouquet of flowers, but this language of flowers has been recognized for, for true. Europe and Asia in mythology and folklore, in the ancient Greeks, the Romans, the the Chinese, the Egyptians all refer to flowers, even Shakespeare did in his works and in his sonnets. Now, I know we think immediately when we think of Valentine's
1: Day, we think of red and we think of roses. Uh, And I suppose red is the kind of Colour of passion and roses have always been a symbol of love. So, is that, you know, is that what red roses do? They speak to that uh,
0: universally? They do, 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 and it doesn't matter in, in what language it means the same. Like, for example, red roses is devotion and I love you, whereas yellow roses is friendship, and sometimes it used to be associated with jealousy. And so, you know, you have to be careful. And white roses is innocence and pink roses is happiness. So that's just in the rose family. Those things mean so much. And just to go back to bygone days, in the Victorian age, roses had a whole lot of other messages. For example, yes and no. If you gave someone a bunch of roses with your right hand, it meant yes. If you gave them to, to them from your left hand, it meant no. Ooh.
1: And it was that, yeah. th- in, with regards, say to, um, because I know the Victorians were very stiff upper lipped, and yes. the younger girls weren't allowed out on their own to court yeah. and date. So maybe the flower yeah. was a way of saying, "Will you be mine?" or "Will you come yeah. on a date?" or whatever.
0: Yeah, and actually, in Victorian times, a single red rose with no thorns on it meant, "I a love at first sight." Oh. Yes. Right. Not a thorn in sight, okay. Not a thorn in sight. And the Victorian times, can I just give you one more of the Victorian times? The sweet pea, which is associated with gratitude, and that's for for all the centuries. And if you put the sweet pea in a bouquet containing zinnus, which is a lovely little flower, sort of daisy-like flower that the butterflies love, that was a symbol of everlasting friendship. And in those times, this was not to be... Uh, confused with giving them to somebody who was a casual acquaintance in case they might get the wrong idea about themselves,
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, and I know that, um, with my other hat on, some listeners will know that I have interest in all the the, the royals goings on uh, across yeah. the water, and I know that, um, King Charles is a big fan yeah. of the gardens and the gardening yes. and the messages of flowers and all that, and when he yeah. When he ordered the funeral wreath for his, yeah. for his mother, the late queen, there were, there were kind of messages within that. I, I think he
0: picked myrtle. myrtle. Myrtle, which is a sign of love and prosperity. And that was very, you know, because they are, you know, they couldn't, they can't, uh, they have to conceal their emotions and not mm. show the rest of the world uh, the, his expe- expression of loss. So he used myrtle and he also used uh, English oak, which represents strength. Mm. So, Mm. you know, all those little messages. And and just for the listeners, uh, another plant that I'm I'm very fond of when people sort of say, I I want something for a grave, for example. Mm. Rosemary is remembrance. And the prostrate rosemarinus prostrata, it's a lovely flat rosemary. And it just goes on and on and put it in a pot on the grave, put in some water holding granules in it. And it could go on for, for you know, for, for ages. I have some of that in my own
1: garden, actually. And the scent of it is absolutely beautiful. And mm-hmm. I love little purple flowers. And I think that, so maybe I'm kind of, I don't know, maybe I have a grave like back garden. But I love and I know purple and white are often colours for mourning. We put lilies, perhaps on a coffin.
0: So yeah. are, there, are there symbolism around that as well, Rachel? Yes. Yes, there's lots of it. I made a huge mistake It's about 40 years ago. I I used to, I done floristry in college as well. I used to do bouquets and wreaths and I made six wreaths. This was a huge order. I was so excited for, and I was making them all different for this lovely gentleman. And when he came in, he looked at me. And he, I thought, oh, my God, I said to him, are you not happy with them? Oh, he said, they're beautiful, but there's one of them. I need you to change the flowers in it. So I said, which one? And I put orange lilies in it. And he said, oh, my God, it's a mixed marriage. And so I took out the orange lilies, of course, and, and redone it for him. But, you know, there was the meaning of flowers again.
1: Okay, interesting. Um, and he didn't and want I, the
0: orange lilies in it. No, so lesson learned for me. So they, <laughs> that that made me very aware of all of the the meaning of the meaning of flowers. There's a beautiful little book called The Language of Flowers. I lent it to somebody, never got back. But I, I'm going to ask them in chapters, could they find one oh, for me? Well, maybe you should send that person yellow carnations. Isn't that the, isn't that the flower of disdain? <laughs> yes, that's right. You're very well up, on <laughs> And <daughter>. annoyance. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, Ru- Ruth Becky, I have to, because this is Black Eyed Susie, a lovely, lovely, beautiful herbaceous plant that comes in in, in late summer when most other things are gone over. Mm. And that is the sign of justice. Oh, right. How interesting. What would be your favourite flower to receive, Rachel? I have at my back door uh, a whole garden in pots, and I have a Daphne Jacqueline Postel, and it's in flower for the last at least two months. The fragrance of it yesterday evening, and I come turning the key in the door, it's magic. And I just think everybody should have one. (laughs) So, at the moment that is, but I have a love affair with trees. But as you'll know from my mm. book, I have tree, every chapter starts with a tree. It
1: does indeed. And that is the book, My Tree of Life, which of course is a memoir uh, about you. Tell us a little bit about your business, uh, Arboretum. Now, of course, this is probably your busiest time of the year, is it?
0: This is coming into this, the real busy season and we're, um, we're full steam ahead in Lachlan Bridge. It's our flagship store and it's just really ready for spring. And we have a place in Over Chapters in Parnell Street, which is uh, just lovely. I just love it. And it's very much bringing gardening to the city dwellers. And then we have uh, Kilquaid, which is a major project and it's still functioning as a garden centre, but we'll it was a six month project and we're opening it for Easter. It'll be open for Easter and it's amazing. And it's all, we're, we're on the, we've put in huge tanks to save all the water Mm. uh, so that'll be all. Uh, So it's going to be and we're going to be near enough carbon neutral uh, with the solar panels and everything that we're doing because we're in the green industry. You are indeed. I I feel that we should be leading the way and we will.
1: Walk in the walk and talk in the talk. Rachel Doyle, founder of Arboretum Garden Centres and author of My Tree of Life. Uh, Thank you very much uh, for bringing us that very interesting
0: piece. Thank you, Sinead. Thank you.
1: Now, much like most aspects of modern life, the internet has become a major part of 21st century dating. Apps like Tinder and Bumble have to a large degree replaced the practice of approaching someone at a bar or asking for a dance. And now, Mayo County Council are hoping to apply a similar approach to one of adult life's other great goals, owning a house. Tom Gilligan is Director of Services for Mayo County Council and the man behind the Mayo Vacant Home Matchmaker Scheme. He joins me now. Tom, you're taking Listoon Varna's title from it, aren't
3: you? <laughs> Thanks, Sinead. Yeah, no, we're very excited by the uh, Mayo Vacant Home Matchmaker scheme.
1: So tell us what
3: it is and how it works. Okay, well, ultimately, it's, um, it's basically a dating agency for vacant homes. Okay? <laughs> right. So uh, and what, we, the, 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 what, what happens primarily is that people who want to purchase a vacant home they can contact us through vacanthomes at and then what we will link them up then is that we will we will have a list of people who want to sell their their vacant home. So we're basically so matching the two together.
1: You're the middleman, and tell me, are there many vacant homes in Mayo?
3: There are 8,922, wow. according to the last census. 20, wow. Uh, 2022. Yeah, it's a lot of vacant homes, you know.
1: And is there any indication, I mean, look, there's vacant homes all over the country, but is there any indication why they're vacant? Are they, can they not be sold or are they going through probate or are they derelict cottages or what?
3: There are a myriad of reasons Shanae, right. why, why homes are vacant. And you've outlined a number of them there, you know, in, you're right in relation to probate people that have emigrated, um, people that uh, probably just maybe in, in a nursing home, um, and then people who have just moved to other parts of the, of the country. So it's, it's a pity that there are so many vacant homes and derelict homes in, in the country. I mean, according to the census, there's over 163,000 mm. vacant homes mm. in Ireland, which, which and, and they, you know, unfortunately, that, 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 you know that, that's a, re- a poor reflection, I think, in relation to, particularly when we're in the middle of a housing crisis.
1: Does the council know who owns all these properties? Because, I mean, we have this, you know, search now for derelict and vacant homes around the country and folios and all the stuff that councils manage. But like, you know, I'm always struck by the fact that somebody would have a, a home on a piece of land and just leave it lying there. I, I don't understand why somebody would do that. So, so do, can you identify owners?
3: Well, that's the, that's the thing, and I totally agree with you too. I find it very frustrating when you see so many vacant homes just lying there uh, doing nothing. Um, now in some cases, we, we do know the owners, but in a lot of cases we don't. You know, so it, it's very... From our point of view, we also operate the vacanthomes.ie website, um, which Mayo County Council is leading on behalf of the local government sector. Mm. And what I find that works very well is local people. Local people have that local knowledge. So, you know, if if a local person, if you talk to a local person, a, a neighbour, they can help you identify who that who that owner is. Because they, the, the person might have, as I say, might have left maybe a couple of months ago, a couple of years ago. Mm. Um... You know, it's, it's, it can be very, very difficult.
1: Yeah. Do to, you think every council should be required to keep not only a vacant homes register, but actually proactively look at these, you know, land places? Some of them are, especially whatever about a derelict cottage in a big field. Mm. Like if they're in urban areas, towns and villages, which we're trying to repopulate, you know, may, maybe could more be done in that
3: well, regard? I think, I think a, lo- a lot of local authorities are very proactive in this space you know i mean in relation to trying to bring vacant homes back into use you know you have you know as as regards the CPO process the compulsory purchase order mm-hmm. process and and that and that does work but we what we try and do is that if we, if we you know if we we talk to the owners we try and, in, in, in a sense, establish, mm. you know, try and get them yeah. to, to bring... I mean, there's prop- nothing prop- like a CPO
1: market. that's going to concentrate the mind and find a, well, find the owner out the of thing. the woodwork, isn't that's, it?
3: that's the thing. Or now, a tax. Uh, you know, that's the thing. So there are the really yeah. initiatives there in relation to the vacant homes. OK, well. so, so
1: tell me now, how does your work... Because so far, you, you have all these vacant homes, 8,000 of them, and, and you're trying to maybe buyers get in touch or people, prospectively, who want to live there. um, And, and you put them out. That just sounds like... An estate agent's
3: job. I well, mean, actually, no, I. <laughs> no, and that's, that, that's the important thing. We, we are not an estate agent. Okay. Um, I mean, what we do offer is a free service. But ultimately, what we're trying to do is that we're trying to get people talking to each other. You know, we want, um, you know, people that have a, a vacant home. And there might be, you know, in the, 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 it could be that they don't have the time or they don't have the financial resources to bring that property back into use. And, you know, we have loads of people who come and visit Mayo, uh, mm. on a continuous basis. Uh, people come to visit come looking for, for work and they come across this lovely vacant property. You know, it could be, it could be in one of the towns, it could be in, mm. in the countryside and they get in contact and say, listen, you know, I've seen this vacant property, I'd love to do something with it and what if hopefully what, what will happen is that we will, the owner will, will have Come to the conclusion where well, they want they they mm. want to. to but get there mightn't the pro- be the a for
1: sale sign outside, no, exactly. it, or you might know who exactly. to get in touch with. So exactly. you you're the you're the app the, I'll, the I'll website. What, what
3: we're trying to do, I suppose, really is bring those people together. Okay, we're trying to start that conversation. Okay, you know. But as I say, mm. it's it's a free service, but we have you know we're, we're, we're we've nothing to do in you relation step to,
1: away. You don't do the hard away. sell we or anything, anything like that, right? that. I mean, okay. we're not okay.
3: involved in any of the financial transactions, and we do encourage people to obviously get any professional and and legal advice. So
1: what information then do people if somebody's saying look I don't really mind where I live I've been reading the newspapers and Castlebar and Ballina have been come out in recent weeks as the best place to live (laughs) the best work-life balance in Ireland so there they are both in Mayo Um, so if people now are, are phoning your office or getting in touch with this website the Vacant Homes website what information do you need of them?
3: Well, I tell you, what, if, if anyone is, is looking for a, a, a vacant property, if they contact vacanthomesatmayococo.ie and if they put in, in the subject title, you know, Mayo Vacant Home Matchmaker Scheme. Mm. First of all, if they can tell us as much information as possible. So basically, so, you know, if they, what part of Mayo? So okay. it maybe in the likes of Eris Black Sod, it could be Ackill, it could be Westport. So if they identify what area they okay. want. And also as well as if they're looking for maybe, you know, two, three bed, four bed.
1: Yeah, so urban or like, rural that, or whatever they want. Okay, so basic right, information. But,
3: but, 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 yeah. Basic, basic information. And, maybe they've and, been there on holiday details, or they would a yeah. granny
1: who came from there and that's and the that's area. It, they, I they, they, okay. they
3: might have a connection with the property, with yeah. the area. So do you so,
1: proactively then go and, and look for houses or do you do you consult another database where, where sellers no, have put on I suppose up well
3: we're do, we, So what we're doing is that we're do, we've done a call out. You okay. know, so we've called out to to, to people. We've advertised the scheme, uh, and we what we're looking for is people that want to sell the mm. property. So mm. they can get in contact with us as well. So people have contacted us um, at at mm. and they said, "Look, I have a property here. It's not doing anything. Um, I like your scheme. I, you know, I'd like mm. to see if if there's if there's a market. If if someone will 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 is interested in the property." And so, once we do that, then if we can get um, what we call is, we can get that match. Yeah. So we will. So really, in a sense, get people to with we'll swap. With we'll swap contact details. Have and you
1: found Tom that there's more traffic since the derelict and vacant homes grants were announced? Because there is a lot of money now available from local authorities to do up these these houses. Now, in a lot of cases, it can be a bit chicken and egg because you need a mortgage secured before you can do it and the banks are like no we don't want to lend on a project and all this kind of thing but but do you find that that is spurring people on at, along with post-Covid I can work from anywhere?
3: Absolutely I think the stars yeah. have aligned on that and we are seeing um, you know a huge interest in the Cree vacant property refurbishment mm. grant I mean just to give you an example we had a um, a public information evening last week in, in Ballina. And we had nearly, I'd say, over seventy-five to eighty people attend attended, coming in looking for information. Mm. How can they avail of the the vacant grant, which is mm. you know, which is fifty thousand, mm. and then the additional twenty thousand for a derelict? So there is huge interest. Yeah. I mean, we have about over three hundred fifty applications at the moment in relation.
1: Wow, to the grant. and and somewhere like rural Mayo, that would go a long way.
3: It does. No, you know, fifty thousand. Yeah, it it you know, it won't. It depends on the work that people that people want. Yeah. But the thing about it is too I mean if people do want a home if they do want to get the, established their, their their first home I mean it's an affordable way to do it you know if you if you buy a vacant property it's probably a lot um cheaper than mm. than than buying new and then you can put you know your own stamp on it you can take your own time in relation mm. to doing it up and you know you can configure it in, in in the way you want it so so I think there's there's so many advantages in and it's a win-win for everyone yeah.
1: Okay, well you're doing the heavy lifting there you're the matchmaker and um, love is in the air down in the housing market in Mayo (laughs) at least Um, so Tom Gilligan of um, Mayo County Council just give us the website once again and it is a lovely website by the way it's very nicely designed If
3: if people want to contact us in relation to the Mayo Vacant Home uh, matchmaker scheme if they they contact vacanthomes at mayococo.ie and if they put Mayo Vacant Home Matchmaker in the up. title. All now right. we do have the the, the the Vacant Homes website which is www.vacanthomes.ie and that is for people you know that if they want to report a vacant home yeah. they, they can use that as well. So, okay. so we're we're, we're, we're all, all about right. bringing vacant homes okay. back into use. That, okay and, and people about. of course down to Mayo.
1: Yeah. Right Tom Gillian, Director of Services for Mayo County Council thanks uh, very much thanks for that. You,
3: thank you so much indeed.
1: Now, you might remember last week we were discussing Airbnb tips with Jennifer Sheen who was giving us ideas whether you're a tourist, you're booking one or you're hosting one. Well, we got a listener question in, uh, Kieran in County Kerry, who asked how to create a multi-purpose single room. So this is a small space which has been used for a whole bunch of things. Uh, So who better than interior design expert Arlene McIntyre, who's going to help us. Arlene, you're very welcome back. Good morning, Sinead. To the home show. So Kieran's email said, uh, I'm in the process of house improvements with focus on a bedroom that will be multi-purpose to accommodate Airbnb. Stays, but I don't want to let out the full home. Right. And presumably, then he also means it's not going to be used as Airbnb all of the time, Mm -hmm. but a single room is a small enough room. Yes. Um, So it is going to be a little bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. So,
4: talk to me about how. A good, what a good design would look like? Well, when I've actually had, I, 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 I've worked with Murphy Beds in the past, you know, creating rooms that can have, be multi-purpose and that could have, feel almost like a studio. Mm. So they can be used for a guest when they're coming over or as overflow at Christmas, somewhere for the kids to have their sleepovers if they have pals over, or it can be uh, then a home office during the day. Now, we all love a Murphy bed on The Home Show, but for the listeners who aren't
1: quite sure or don't remember what a Murphy bed yes. is.
4: It is like a pull-out-of-the-wall um, bed. So You're doing great hand signals there at <laughs> the radio. <laughs> so, uh, when we've done this before for someone, it was all done bespoke and custom. And so uh, I've never actually worked with buying one. I know that you mm. can actually buy ready-made ones. But we have actually done this before in a small box room. And it was incredible what we could do. I'm surprised any of your clients have a small box room book. <laughs> they do. And they <laughs> believe it, currently as we speak, I'm working on another project, really large one. But they have one room that they, they have a lot of grandchildren and they just want to make sure that they cover everybody in the event they're staying over. I don't think they're actually going to need this room, but they really are insisting on doing it. And so we have designed one wall where you would not even know a bed was on this wall. And it's completely panelled. And when you pull down you know, the little lever Mm. in the centre of this wall. Voila, is your bed. Wow. So the Murphy bed is a typically flush with the backboard, yes. or,
1: or it doesn't stick out while it's in the it, upright position. It can stick out. Okay. So, this is
4: where, for me, I love custom because you can kind of hide it in. You can put lovely built in bookcases each side oh, of it. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And you can. So, you're disguising it, correct, really. Correct. Correct. And you can frame it up beautifully. So, there are ways around it. If okay. A good design behind it.
1: So, a Murphy bed would ap- absolutely be the ideal for a box room that isn't always going to be used yes. as a bedroom. Yes. Okay. I
4: wouldn't recommend using this bed all the time. Yeah. They're not great full time. It's super perhaps for for a few nights, but they're not often like a Because of its nature, you're not going to get a lovely sprung mattress. Exactly. With it. Correct. Okay.
1: So the Murphy bed is your first solution. Now you say um, custom. So what are we looking at there? We're looking at a carpenter coming in and creating it for the space that's there.
4: Yep. Yeah. So when we've done it, myself and my team would literally create kind of joinery drawings and elevations of how that wall could look. You have to take into account, you know, clearance, uh, where the window is, where you have one long flat wall that can can accommodate this. Um, When you pull the bed down, will it actually stretch comfortably over the room? Will they be crawling over one side of the bed in order to get to the other side of the bed? So you kind of have to play around with it a bit, but you can always kind of play with things and move things around in the room and, and you'll land on the perfect solution for you. Great. OK. So once we have that in or or whether or not
1: we do it, what kind of other elements could be in this room uh, for, for an Airbnb or indeed for for uh, another purpose?
4: Definitely consider uh, going for a leather headboard or leatherette, something that's kind of easy to clean, ah, washable. Yeah. It can look high end and kind of plush if you want to give that experience out at, at an Airbnb uh, to a client who's an Airbnb. Person, Or you can have a little vanity table that can double up as a desk because often tourists like to check out where they are and have somewhere to plop down their laptop or whatever. So, you know, something that's multifunctional, nice mirrors, nice lighting, bathrobes, fluffy towels, you know, soaps. I, I would definitely introduce little touches that make them feel mm. special and coffee table books, you know, something about Ireland and, and places to visit and see and do in the area. Yeah, that's always a great idea. And I suppose if people are coming to stay in an Airbnb,
1: they're not going to stay for long. There's a couple of nights. Is it OK if you don't have room for a wardrobe and you don't want to taking up space, maybe to have one of those rails, Yes, you know, that they could just hang
4: their clothes that's on? Right. That's right. So it's all about making that box room feel big. You won't want doors on wardrobes or anything like that. You're absolutely right. Just a lovely, cool little rail. uh, Perhaps clothing that you might only have three hangers on it. It These are short stay turnarounds, generally speaking. Mm. Um, Definitely try and introduce a tea coffee station, just somewhere where they can have a cup of coffee. Okay. And you actually can buy, I think it was in Argus. Well, maybe they're gone
1: now. Uh, I know they were closing down where you could buy that little tiny mini kind of um, kettle yes. that you see in, in hotels sometimes. Yeah. You'd be afraid now people would wander off with the,
4: ho- with the kettle and the hairdryer and
1: all that. Maybe that's why that's, they lock them down in hotels. That's so true.
4: And like <laughs> It is unfortunate when that happens, but it does add a nice little added touch and it keeps them out of your main living space of the home as well. So that's you really true. just want this room to self-service that person.
1: Yeah, indeed. Okay. So nice little touches there. Um, I like the idea of a few books about things to do in the area and maybe pictures of Ireland and all that because if it's a foreign visitor you want, you know, you're a little yeah. bit of a salesman as well, aren't you? You are. Trying, trying to yeah. do this. Okay. Yeah. Now, in terms of colour schemes, you, would, you, would you kind of be favour the neutral route or the big kind of we're mad in this family
4: kind of I aspect? I would definitely, if you're kind of a big lover of red or, or if there's a colour that you love that's a really bold colour, I would try and remove yourself from this. Just see this as a little business, a room that's ultra neutral um, that will appeal to the masses. Um, you know, people can be really allergic to colour and they're very sensitive to that. So I would just be play it very safe, go for lovely neutrals, mm. keep everything calm and airy, bright, light, fresh, uh, use mirrors in a, in a clever way to help the place look a little bit larger, good artwork, nice soft lighting. Mm. I
1: know somebody who uh, goes through, you know, whenever they're looking at Airbnb or... You know, kind of private accommodation like that, uh, irrespective of how beautiful the apartment is, how well it's situated, if they look at it and it's got this mad color scheme that would be me,
4: yeah, just right. I mild. just have to click to somewhere else. I'm not able for that <laughs> because I am quite sensitive to color, so if I see some a color that's just really strong, and I know I'm not going to really relax in that room okay, okay i'll go to the I'll go to the room or the space that's nice and calm and. Yeah, so Neutra- stick with the neutrals, stick yeah,
1: with the creams and the beiges and all that, and also it's very easy then to swap out and swap around exactly. and and all of that. Okay, Arlene, as always, um, great advice there. Um, and the Murphy bed, um, you're taking me back there now. It's uh, they are fantastic resource uh, yeah. you know, it's something very Irish about it. I don't know where the na- name comes from I mean I presumably it must be something Irish but I don't know, yeah. I don't know. Um, that's brilliant uh, And for that and indeed all your advice that is Arlene McIntyre interior designer to the stars <laughs> and we can find you on um, arlenemcintyre.com Fantastic! All right. And all of her fabulous uh, stuff is there and indeed all of her famous uh, uh, clients. Well, some of them anyway. She doesn't tell us about the other one. <laughs> uh, Arlene, thanks a million uh, for Thank coming you, in sure. again. That is always to have time for this week on The Home Show. I hope you have enjoyed it and in particular... All of the Valentine's recipes uh, from Edward earlier on, all the history of flowers that we had uh, from Rachel Doyle. And indeed, if there's anything you've missed or anything you haven't heard, well, then do listen back. It's on the podcast on Newstalk.com, on the Newstalk app or wherever you get your podcasts from. We will be back next week. Uh, thank you to Aidan McKelvey and Marisa Sullivan producing this week. Stephen McLoon was on sound. It is Anton Savage up next. I'm not quite sure what romantic notions might be on the Motorheads show, but we'll find out. Uh, have a fantastic weekend. Do something nice for yourself and we'll be back next Saturday at 8am.
0: The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. Saturday morning at 8 on News Talk.